Hello. Hi. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Date Night at the Coffee Shop. I'm Bart. I'm Sam. And we're excited you guys are joining us today. Um, this one, I'm, I'm excited to continue, continue on with what we're doing now. Yeah. Um, for those of you who have been listening, uh, we are... Or in who our, haven't been listening. Oh, yeah, or, or haven't. Uh, we are continuing on in our spooky series uh, in honor of this, the spooky season, the fall season, um, mostly for October. Yeah. Um, we're big fans of Halloween and fall in general. Uh, those of you last listened to our last episode can really um, attest to our enthusiasm for the fall season. Yeah, I think last week's episode should have just been called Stuffing versus Dressing. That was a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so today we're going to continue on with our spooky series. Um, we're talking about... Um, what? We're talking about witches and the Salem witch trials. Yeah, so this one's going to be a lot of fun. But first, how was your week? It was good. Mine was quite stressful. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. What the, what's the news? What news? I don't know. This is our date. We're supposed to be catching up on how the week has been, right? Actually, our date was yesterday at Olive Garden. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to Olive Garden in quite some time. So, soup and salad bar. Or unlimited soup salad. And breadsticks. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And for the first time yesterday, I got um, dipping sauce for the breadsticks. That was a hack I found on the internet. Didn't know that was a thing, but apparently it was, and I am super glad we did that. I don't think I'd really call it a hack since it's listed on the menu as dipping sauces for the breadsticks. Oh, well, good point. Good point. (laughs) But we got the Alfredo, and you got, what was it? Four cheese marinara. Oh, my gosh. Mine was better, but um, anything that's cream-based is usually going to be better. So, I liked it. It was good. Very good. Highly recommend. Yeah. Also, I was real surprised that the Zupa, that the Zupa Toscana that I make is better than theirs. Yeah. I was shocked. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as good as, as the homemade for sure. Yeah. That was surprising to me. And I didn't have any kale in mine. I usually put like well, in the one that I got there. They were like three little microscopic pieces of kale. Mine had a good bit of kale in it. Yeah. I work with a lady who calls kale. It's either kale or broccoli. She calls it the devil vegetable. <laughs> I like to put the put broccoli in my mac and cheese. I'm hungry. When did we have breakfast? What time is it? Well, it's been a little while. It's lunchtime. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyways. So again, we're we're continuing on with our spooky series. Uh, again, we're talking witches and specifically Salem witch trials. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're excited about this one. This one's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, for those of you that don't uh, really know what we do here, haven't been listening in for that long, uh, what we do, we take a new coffee that we try for each episode. Mm-hmm. Um, well, usually it's a new coffee. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just a... Like um, last week's was a PSL. Yeah, pumpkin spice lattes from Starbucks. We've had those before. Uh, so sometimes it's just something that goes along with the episode, but... Um, generally we try to try new coffees most of the time, um, which has been a lot of fun, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely branched me out 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we've tried. We've gotten a lot. I wonder, you know what we should do? We should probably keep a, like a rating system. Yeah. I know we have a list of the ones that we've tried, but I'm going to forget on whether I liked it or not. <laughs> so. I don't know. I, I don't think I'll forget. Yeah, you have good memory that way. Yeah. So. What are we what are we drinking? Uh, so today, in honor of our witches episode, we're actually drinking a coffee uh, from Jim's Organic Coffee. Uh, this one is called Blend X, aka Witches Brew. Cool. Um, so I'm excited about this one. Um, it's actually so before I get to the just um, to that one. Uh, let's see the notes on this one. It says this coffee started as a hodgepodge of dark roasts to create a one of a kind blend for one of our customers. The coffee was named Witch's Brew, but due to the hodgepodge, we initially call it Blend X, hence the now full name of Blend X, AKA Witch's Brew. Uh, it's crafty on many levels. And so smelling it, it's very, it's very dark. It's very yeah. bold. Yeah. Whenever I walked in, from taking the dogs out. Yeah. I definitely, I smelled it before I opened the door. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For those of you that have been listening for some time now, uh, you'll know that we do prefer, especially I prefer dark roasts. And you um, like it strong. Yeah, which is why I was excited <laughs> to try this one because it's not only a dark roast, but they have it labeled specifically as a very dark roast. So basically, it's just dirt. Well, I mean, it's just the char. It's, it's just like char. like when I open the bag, like these are the darkest beans I've seen. Oh, like have, they're almost black, open that up. and they're like really waxy looking. I do like good waxy beans. Yeah, they're it's really the lavazza that we usually drink that we drink on the regular. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, they're super That's dark. That's insane! Oh my gosh! Yeah, they're like black. Wow. I've never seen them this yeah. dark or waxy. That's and I will say, I think... Oily. I should say oily because yeah. that's what it is. Well, but, yeah. But wow. Um, Those would be good covered in chocolate. They would. Yeah, they would be really good that way. Yeah, because they're, um, like, they're, they're really brittle too. Like they were breaking apart in my hand. Mm, so. Yeah, because they've been roasted so long. Um, which, to, uh, so generally... To hell and back? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There you go, keeping up with the thing. How uh, funny. Um, so, yeah, mostly it's, you know, when they keep roasting like that, it gets a lot more charred kind of flavor, the real smoky type flavor. The darker roasts usually have those darker, heavier flavors like chocolate, caramel, things like that. Um, the flavor notes on this one on their from their website, it says, uh, we take our most esoteric selections into the dark beyond. This is the one for dark roast fanatics. Bold, dark, deep. So that's the flavor notes that they give. Just uh, bold, dark, you. and deep. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, but, yeah, it is It is very uh, bold and dark. It's, it's the coffeeest smelling coffee I've ever smelled. I don't know if that makes sense, but it smells like... I don't know. I don't know. How, <laughs> but you know how coffee has a certain smell? Yeah. It definitely smells like... Like there's no question somebody made coffee. Oh you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's it's very it's very heavy. It's very pungent as far as like the, the coffee aroma. I really like this honestly. It's it's for as bold as it is. It's still incredibly smooth. Um, it's not bitter at all. Um, yeah, this is this is fantastic. So what are you gonna rate it? I enjoy it too, but 
I've I already know what my rating is. It's I mean, I'm gonna give this one like a nine. Oh, whoa. Yeah, it's good. Okay. I like this this extra dark. Like, yeah, it's great. I am gonna give mine a lower rating. I'm gonna give it like four and a half or five. Yeah. Yeah, it's really smooth. It's good. I do enjoy it. It's just way too dark for me. Okay. Because I generally actually prefer, like, I like a dark roast, but, like, I like a dark roast that's more medium. Yeah. Yeah, because it tends to be, I do like, I do like it to be a tad bit bright, you know. Mm. No, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. But I also like it to be deep, like this yeah. one. So I do like that, uh, but I'm just going to, like, it's just real, well, it's real heavy. Yeah. Well, so. I will say, I, I think my... My ratings tend to be a little bit more objective than your ratings. <laughs> Wait a minute. I think... Well, no, hold on. So, let me explain. So Wait a minute. So, what's going on here is when you rate them, you're really rating more of, like, how much you enjoyed that coffee. Well, yeah. I'm rating Because my more, opinion matters. Yeah, and that's important. <laughs> uh, my rating is a little bit more reflective of the quality that I think the coffee is. Oh. No. So, that's... That's kind of how I'm. That's kind of no. how my my mind works this, when I'm when I'm rating no, these things. That so makes I, sense. there are some things that like like I wish, um, I wish it had a little bit more of like those chocolatey notes that a lot of dark roasts have. But aside from that, I can still taste how incredibly high quality these beans are. Um, so that's why I give it a high rating. Yeah, so no, I guess I, you know, in more interest of my personal preferences, I'd probably give it an eight. And a half. That's still not that much lower. That's half a step. I mean, it could make the difference of a letter grade, depending on which way you're going from. I mean, honestly, it's from an A to a B. Okay, okay. Yeah, I am definitely very subjective. It's like based on whether I like it or not, because that's all that matters. This is a, Everything is about me. Duh. Well, I want to make sure that everybody's got some... We yeah. balance each other out. It's fine. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> um, so, again, yeah, Jim's Organic Coffee uh, Blend X, a.k.a. Witch's Brew. Uh, highly recommend. We found this one on Amazon. You can also find them at jimsorganiccoffee.com. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and jump into our topic today. Again, we're talking witches and the Salem Witch Trials, um, which I'm super excited about. First of all, those of you that listened to our last episode know we love fall. But specifically, I love Halloween. It's your favorite holiday. Yeah. Um, Mine is Thanksgiving. I mean, Thanksgiving's great and all, but it's mostly just to bridge the gap between Halloween and Christmas. <laughs> so. I know. Your favorite holidays in order are um, Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and then your birthday, probably. Probably accurate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, so Halloween is great, um, which is why I'm just excited for this whole series in general. Uh, but I've always really loved like witches, the Salem witch trials. Like I've always thought that really embodied like the the feel of Halloween. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I'm excited to talk about this and, and get some more information. Um, so let's talk a little bit about about witches. Tell me what what were you what what were you able to find? Okay, so how this is going to play out is I'm going to give you a history of witches, then I'm going to go into the Salem witch trials, and I'm going to cover three people who were accused, uh, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about the tests for witchcraft, like yeah. what they used, 
And then I'm going to talk about the ending of the witch trials and then why the Salem witch trials happened. So okay. that's kind of how this is going to run down. You so ready? this first section, the history of witches, what exactly do you mean by it? So you mean like like historical context, like, mm-hmm. like witches from the Bible? or Yes. Yep. We're going to talk about, because there is a witch in the Bible. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about other witch hunts and things mm-hmm. like that and other historical um yeah, witch hunts and... Witchcraft in yeah, general. Yeah, Okay, cool. Okay, so um, it's unclear exactly when witches uh, came on the historical scene, but one of the earliest records of a witch is in the Bible, like I said. It's in the book of First Samuel. The- oh, I remember this one. Yeah. So this is the one where um, she actually conjures up a ghost, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the, the king... Mm-hmm. King Saul. King Saul, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he talks to this to the ghost of Samuel, right? Yep, absolutely. Who was a, a prophet of, of God. And he died, yep. Yeah. So, exactly. So, so, which, and before we dive on, that just, this story always just seemed a little confusing to me. Because, like, everything is always talking about how, like, you know, communicating with spirits is, like, not very wholesome <laughs> and great. But... Well, then we have the king, the the Jewish king at the time, speaking with a dead prophet of well, the Lord. He he. Uh, we'll we'll get to we'll get to some some information later on why it may not be a great idea. Okay. Yeah. So for sure, and there's I listened to a podcast one time, and it was really funny, and it was talking about like Bible stuff, and it said there are ghosts in the Bible, and everyone's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I think it was the relevant podcast, mm-hmm. but it's like, yep, there are totally ghosts in the Bible, and this explains it. So, First yeah. um, Samuel was thought to be written between 931 BC and 721 BC. It tells the story, like you were saying, um, of when King Saul sought the witch of Endor to summon the dead prophet Samuel's spirit to help him defeat the Philistine army. The witch roused Samuel, who then prophesied the death of Saul and his sons. He was actually real upset. But um, the next day, according to the Bible, Saul's sons died in battle, and then Saul committed suicide. So, still profiting from the grave. Yep. Or prophesying, I suppose. Yep. So, yeah, apparently it's just, it like, Samuel was like, why would you do this? Don't do that. And then they died. So, that's like the first evidence, like... Of a witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, witch hysteria took hold in Europe during the mid-1400s when many accused witches confessed, often under torture, to a variety of wicked behaviors. Within a century, witch hunts were common, and most of the accused were executed by burning at the stake or hanging. Single women, widows, and other women on the margins of society were especially targeted. Between the years 1500 and 1660, up to 80,000 suspected witches were put to death in Europe. That's wow. a lot of people. Yeah. And not wow. a lot. Like, that's not a long period of time. Yeah, 160 years. Yeah. Um, so around 80% of them were women thought to be in cahoots with the devil and filled with lust. Right. You know, like witches. Yeah. <laughs> witches tend to be right. in cahoots with the devil and filled with lust. For sure. So Germany had the highest witchcraft execution rate, while Ireland had the lowest, which I thought that was surprising, um, considering some of the folklore around like Halloween and things like that. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. We'll we'll get into it. But I just thought that was I thought that was interesting because Ireland tend to be tended to be pagan, 
Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that doesn't make sense. But I just thought, like, because of, like, Irish Catholic, because of the, like, conversion. I don't know. I just thought that was strange. I want to touch back on this statistic here. You're talking about from 1500 to 1660, 80,000 suspected witches were put to death. That comes out to 500 per year. That's almost one a day. That's more than one a day. Oh, yeah. three. Yeah. That's more than one a day. That's yeah, crazy. That's like a witch and a half a day. Wow. Wow. So, the publication of... Malleus Maleficarum. I knew the second one. I couldn't think of the first one. Okay, Malleus Maleficarum, written by two well-respected German Dominicans in 1486, likely spurred the witch mania to go viral. The book, uh, usually translated as The Hammer of Witches, was essentially a guide on how to identify, hunt, and interrogate witches. Melius Maleficarum labeled witchcraft as heresy and quickly became the authority for Protestants and Catholics trying to flush out witches living among them. For more than a hundred years, the book sold more copies than any other book in Europe except for the Bible. Hmm. Interesting. So this was the second most popular book mm-hmm. for a hundred years. Yep. Kind of interested. I, I wonder if we can find a copy of that. I don't know. That'd be cool. Probably somewhere. Probably somewhere. Um, So, in researching this topic, I also found information on a a Grecian woman named Hypatia. She was an ancient Greek scholar, philosopher, and mathematician, which was rare at the time. Uh, She wrote textbooks. She took over her father's position at school and was a teacher. She refined a method for long division. She taught philosophy like Plato and uh, Pythagoras, and she was a front runner um, in a school of thought called Neoplatoism. Wait. Neoplatonism. Yes. Neoplatonism. Platonism. Platonism. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. So they thought that math was spiritual and had a hand in everything in the universe, which that is true, that it does have a hand in everything in the universe. So, <clears throat> such as the movement of the planets and the harmony of music. That's also true. Yeah. Um, so, she was super smart. And, like, these Neo-Plato, Platonists or whatever, they were, like, uh, they kind of they kind of worshipped math, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but they used it alongside, like, other religions at the time. Right. Uh, because they're, like, oh, math, it explains everything, which it does. Isn't that, like, numerology? Isn't that a thing? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, mean, it, I know it is a thing. is a thing, but isn't that like kind of the same concept? It's yes, yes and no. Yes, in that with these Neoplatonists, they were more like trying to figure out the mathematical equation for everything. Right. Okay. Like music, like planets, like the bookshelf. Like looking at the bookshelf that we have here in the office, that has a mathematical equation to it. It's very like physics. Right. It's a physics thing, which I don't understand. But math is everything, and that's what fractals are, and fractals are pretty. Anyways, so the Roman governor Orestes, who was a moderate Christian, <clears throat> consulted with Hypatia to help him with the zealous monks of the time who were causing trouble and harassing the pagans and Jews in Alexandria. Hypatia advised him to act with fairness and restraint. However, after a riot caused by some monks badly injured Orestes, he had their leader tortured to death. 
The monk's followers accused Hypatia of witchcraft and turning Orestes from the path of Christianity because she's a smart woman. So, you know, smart women were feared. So one day, as she was riding through the town, like on her uh, chariot, monks attacked, murdered, and dismembered her. So that's kind of like one of the first witch hunts. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it was Greek. Yeah. It's very scary. So um, modern-day witches mainly practice Wicca and are called Wiccans, I believe. This is not an area of expertise for me. Um, their spells and incantations are often derived from um, a, something called the Book of Shadows. It's a 12th century collection of wisdom and witchcraft. 20th century. What did I say? 12th. Oh, 20th century. My bad. Um, and they compare it to the act of prayer in other religions. So like their, their spells are more like prayers. Right. Uh, Wiccans are very nature-oriented, and many of their rituals and practices involve the moon or celestial bodies along with many herbal remedies and spells. So, I work with a girl who, her, she is from uh, Appalachia region. Yeah. And she is of Irish descent, and she has a, like her grandmother, one of her grandmothers, it was what, what they call in the area a granny witch, which is basically just like a shaman for the area that does like herbal remedies and like a doctor for the area. And so that's kind of what Wiccan would stem like be similar to right um so yeah that's what i have on like the history of witches which i i learned a lot i did this was not a topic that i was very familiar with you ready to get into the salem witch trials yeah let's let's talk about it so this is like the when people think of witches they either think of first of all the stereotypical like halloween green skinned witch with like a wart on her nose flying across the moon mm-hmm. or you think about the salem witch trials mm-hmm. or at least something that stems from the salem witch trials yeah um <clears throat> so this is like one of the biggest events regarding witches ever yeah and like here on on american soil right um okay so salem massachusetts it was settled in 1626 by puritans life was very strict and very isolated for them battles with local indigenous peoples and french settlers made things exceptionally challenging for salem residents due to scarce resources and the coldest winter keep okay remember this the coldest winter ever experienced in 1692 relationships with neighbors were strained in february of 1692, Betty Paris, age 9, and Abigail Williams, age 11, began exhibiting strange symptoms. We need to have spooky music playing behind me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, According to eyewitness accounts, the girls would scream, throw things across the room, speak in strange sounds, crawl under furniture, and contort themselves into odd positions. So this kind of sounds like a uh, possession. Yep, sure does. Makes you think of the exorcist. Sure does. The girls also began complaining of being pinched and poked with pins. A doctor could find no physical evidence of, of any ailments. Then other women in the colony began exhibiting the same symptoms. So the doctor was Dr. William Griggs. Griggs. He diagnosed the girls as being afflicted by, quote, an evil hand, end quote. Right. The first three people accused of afflicting these girls were Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tituba. 
Um, when the trials started, much of the evidence brought against the witches was called spectral evidence, where people testified to seeing an apparition of the accused trying to inflict harm on the girls or whoever. Um, right. So their proof was just these people. I see somebody like saying that they saw not even the real person doing, but it. an apparition. Right. Yeah. So I saw a ghost of you casting a spell on me. Yep. And that's proof. Yep. Spectral evidence was huge during the witch trials. Yeah. Um, some other proof was the touch test, where if a witch who cursed someone touched the cursed person. In the midst of a fit, then the fit would stop. So basically, you're having a fit, and if I'm the one who cursed you, I touch you, and you stop. It's like, oh my gosh, you're right. It's her. Right. It's thought that um, the reason why is because the the evil, we'll get to why, but like the evil will return from whence it came, essentially. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of the... I mean, that makes sense, I the guess. Men- the mentality behind it. I'm just wondering, like, that... In order for that test to be positive, that would have to be incredibly coincidental. So I mean, sure. Or the person could... would have to be faking, the accused, or the I mean, the curse oh, would yeah. have to be faking. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's a good point. She cursed me. Oh my gosh, I'm having a fit. I'm having a fit. And it's like, let's do the touch test. And oh, then you touch. How many like, people were like just faking like seizures? And, I don't know. And these fits or whatever. Well, there is document in the documentary that I watched. Um, about the cause behind it, there is documentation that one of the girls, I don't know if it's one of these two, but one of the young girls who was accused, whenever like we were talking, we whenever they were talking to her, um, they they kind of were like, you're putting on. And she's like, well, how, am I, how else am I supposed to have any fun? So like she essentially, had, one of the girls essentially admitted to like poking fun and like making, yeah. making it up. Um, but... That's not always, that may not be the case in all of the cases. So, um, it's important to note that some 80 people were accused of witchcraft prior to the Salem witch trials. Uh, someone who was a witch was someone that had made a pact with the devil to do evil. The trials were held to prove that these women were inflicting harm on other people in their town. So, like, while witchcraft was, like, accused because of Puritan values and things like that, mm-hmm. it wasn't as popular as the Salem witch trials because they weren't like, it's like, oh, you're a witch. You did a pact. Like, you made a pact to do evil. But with this one, it's like they're actually inflicting harm on their neighbors. Does that make sense? Right. That's kind of like the difference. <clears throat> okay. So, you ready to hear about Sarah Good? The stories of these women are kind of sad. So, just get ready. Okay. Ready? Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay, Sarah's, Sarah Good's first marriage was to an indentured servant named Daniel Poole, who died in debt. Her second marriage was to William Good. It was doomed from the outset because the couple had to pay for the debts of her first husband, or uh, Daniel Poole. The Goods were homeless, renting rooms in other people's houses, and they had two young children. William worked as a laborer around Salem Village in exchange for food and lodging. But it became, this part is what's funny. It became increasingly difficult for the family to find a place to stay as Sarah's reputation for being uh, socially unpleasant spread throughout the town. (laughs) Oh, wow. So everybody, like, just because she was... (laughs) Nobody liked her. We'll say a witch. (laughs) Yeah, nobody liked her. Right. Um... So, Sarah Good never confessed to witchcraft, um, 
but she did accuse Sarah Osborne of afflicting the girls. Due to the Puritan belief system, the town members valued confession, repentance, and turning from sin over actual truth. Um, Good was pregnant at the time of her trial and had a four-year-old daughter named Dorothy. But I also, the warrant that was served also said Dorcas. So it's either Dorothy or Dorcas. Um, So yeah, uh, everyone called her Dorothy and all of the documents say Dorothy. So Dorothy was coerced into testifying against her mother and uh, she was actually accused herself of being a witch because she bit people. She was four years old. Yeah. What four-year-old do you know that doesn't bite people? I mean, most of them. I mean, what? I mean, I'm sure they have, but I don't think that's... Four-year-old, three and four-year-olds bite things and other people. I mean, they don't typically go around just biting people. Well, Not any four-year-olds <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> Maybe I just know bad four-year-olds. Maybe. Um... But some of the afflicted said that it felt as if they were being bitten. So that's why they accused Dorothy of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. But a four-year-old, yeah. She told Salem officials after her arrest that she had a pet snake that her mother had given her that talked to her and it sucked blood from her finger. The officials took this to mean that it was her familiar. Right. So Dorothy Good was the youngest person convicted of witchcraft in the trial. She was convicted when she was five years old. Dorothy was in custody from March 24th, 1692, when she was arrested until she was released on bond for 50, I think that's pounds? Yeah. Yeah. On December 10th, 1962. So she spent... 1692. Yeah, 1692. Sorry. Uh, She was never indicted or or tried. Interesting. So this four-year-old... Yeah. ...was a prisoner for nine months? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And probably, like, the not the nicest situations, yeah, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I could only imagine. She was probably tortured, too, you know? Like, because she's a witch. If they think she's a witch, they're going to torture them, you know, until they yeah. confess and, you know, repent and all that. Um, and so, like, I want to mention the familiar, too. A familiar, I don't, you may know the better definition of this, but it's basically um, a witch's animal companion that they can, like, do their bidding with and, like, all that stuff. Yeah, so there's, like, a lot of different things. Um, I de- figured most people on where would know what a familiar your, is, but. A lot of people may have heard the term, but not necessarily, you know, know yeah. what it is. Um, most people probably do know. Uh, generally it's going to, it is going to be like an animal, animal companion. Oftentimes it'll be like a cat or, um, a snake or whatever. Yeah. Crow. Um, and so it depends on where you get your lore from, but some, some of the times there'll be like a demon spirit or something that's Mm -hmm. attached to this animal. Um, or it'll just be like. They'll, it's just, like astral projection kind of thing where like they control it with themselves. Yeah, the there's, witch there's that. Yeah. Or that sometimes it'll just it'll be like a protector for the witch. Yeah. Um, just depending on where you where you get your lore from. Yeah. So I was looking up a little bit and um, let's see European folklore and folk belief of medieval and modern early modern periods familiars uh, sometimes referred to as familiar spirits or animal guides were believed to be supernatural entities that would assist witches and cunning folk in their practice of magic. Mm. According to the records of the time, they would appear in numerous guises, often as an animal, but also at times as a human or humanoid figure, 
and were described as clearly defined three-dimensional forms, vivid with color and animated with movement and sound by those alleging to have come into contact with them, unlike later descriptions of ghosts with their smoky, undefined forms. So I think here's just to um, specify the fact that that they are spiritual in nature, but they're not ghosts. They are physical beings. Yeah, absolutely. Um... So Sarah Good's husband actually testifies against her as well, which this made me so angry. Um, He doesn't actually come out and say that she's a witch, but he does say, quote, It was her bad carriage to me, and and indeed say I with tears that she is enemy to all good, end quote. How horrible is that? He's just so tired of like working to pay off her ex her dead husband's debts, yeah, just and her she's being a rude. and she's rude, and he's like so sick and tired of her that he's just like, yeah, sure. I mean, she may not be a witch, but she is real horrible. Yeah, that's the so awful. To, to... All good. Yeah, that's, that's so crazy. bad. Um, I don't really know exactly what that means, but, like, it definitely protected him from any potential accusation. Right. That's kind of how it worked. Like, if you accuse somebody else, like, immediately, like, not me, look at them, (sighs) then you're like, oh, okay, never mind. And then they go off to the next person. Um, So, Good was sentenced to death by hanging, but was granted a stay until after her baby was born. The baby died shortly after being born in prison, obviously. Um, on her execution date, she was given one last opportunity to confess by Reverend Richard Noyes, which she didn't do. And when accused, she's reported to have screamed, quote, you're a liar. I'm no more a witch than you are a wizard. If you take my life away, God will give you blood to drink, end quote. It's reported that 25 years later... <laughs> Reverend Richard Noyes died from an internal hemorrhage and died choking on his own blood. So, <laughs> this not witch cursed this guy yes. on with her dying breath. Yes. I mean, doesn't really get more witchy than that. And he, yeah, and he, I mean, it took a long time. 25 so, years, but. Death curse. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that kind of seals it. Yeah, right? Yeah. She was totally a witch. I thought that was real creepy. Um, Okay, so on to Sarah Osborne. Sarah Osborne was also married married twice. She was married previously to William Pence. Prince, sorry. Typo. Prince. And he owned a lot of land and was neighbors with his family. Prince died and left his large estate to his wife... With the caveat that when they were old enough, William and Sarah's two sons, James, who was six at the time, and Joseph, who was two, would divide the state. So he was like, hey, I'm leaving this to you, but when the kids are old enough, you give it to the, to the boys. Right. Instead, after her husband's death, Sarah uh, hires an indentured Irish immigrant by the name of Alexander Osborne, and she paid off his indenture. Rumors quickly spread about the two living together, and shortly after, the two are married. Sarah then tries to, take, to overtake her children's inheritance and take control of the estate for herself and her new husband. Legal battles ensue between Sarah and her children, who were defended by the neighboring family. Um, their names were the Putnams. Mm. 
so Sarah Osborne never confessed to witchcraft, but she also never pointed the finger at another person, which is very uncommon at the time. She's also the first person to assert a theological defense that stated that the devil could not take the shape of another person without their consent. Nonetheless, Osborne never came to trial because she died shackled in prison on May 10th, 1692 at the age of 49. So the reason why she was accused of witchcraft is because of this, is because she tried to like take her children's estate and she married this other man. Right. So, I mean... And the Putnams are the ones who brought the charges of witchcraft against her. Right. Yeah. Super nice. Yeah. Great family. Seems like she knows an awful lot about the devil and what he can and can't do though so who knows oh that's maybe they were on to something maybe maybe um okay so the next one is tituba so the case of tituba is a really peculiar one in that her heritage isn't really known um it's unclear what her ethnic origins are other than she was an enslaved woman of color in the paris home that's right the same paris home of one of the first afflicted girls betty paris also in my reading, I found out that Abigail Williams and Betty Paris were cousins. Oh. Yeah. Um, so the evidence <clears throat> evidence points to her being from Barbados, as Reverend Paris owned a plantation there. There are a lot of stories about what caused the hysteria, most of them blaming Tituba for her stories of voodoos from Bar- Barbados to the girls. So like she would, so the story goes, she would tell them stories of like voodoo and hoodoo, right. and to the girls, and the girls would be like, oh, like we have this idea. Um, Tituba said that she was beaten by her owner, Reverend Paris, and was told to confess to witchcraft. And what, um, what she did confess to were actually traditionally European and not African or Caribbean forms of witchcraft. So that kind of blows that theory out. Uh, she confessed to signing the devil's book, flying in the air on a pole, which is where the broom thing comes from. Um, seeing cats, wolves, dogs birds and pinching or choking some of the afflicted girls. Tituba did admit that she had participated in an occult ritual when she made a witch cake in in an attempt to help Elizabeth Paris. After the trials are over, Samuel Paris refused to pay Tituba's jail fines and she was eventually sold back into slavery for the price of her fines and she hasn't heard heard from again. So what exactly is a witch cake? We'll get to that. We'll get to it. Yeah. So those are like the three first people. Lots of people are accused. Right. Um, but just the most notable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First and the first three for like these these two girls that were afflicted in Salem. Two or there were more of them were afflicted, but two most famous ones. So yeah. So some of the tests. Oh yeah, I did have I did have familiars here on the test for witchcraft. Okay. These tests are horrible and atrocious. So just steal yourself. It's gross. Uh, the swimming test. And accu- I think this is the one probably most people are familiar with, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. An accused would be hogtied and thrown into the water. And the idea was that since water is the vessel for baptism, the water would attempt to expel them. So the guilty would float and the innocent would sink. Right. So this one is the most <laughs> asinine <laughs> test I can think of because it's like you throw this person in the water and they either are what you say they are and they'll float they'll survive they only survive if they are what you're accusing them of in which case you would then kill them or they were innocent and they would 
drown, they would sink and drown and die. Yeah. Some stories say that they have a rope tied to their neck as they throw them so that if they sink, they can hoist them back up, which is incredibly stupid. But, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so essentially they do. They drown. Because it's like, oh, she sank. Let's pull her up by, like, the noose we have around her neck. Right. Yeah. Okay, the next one is the prayer test. Uh, They would have the accused recite scripture, uh, particularly the Lord's Prayer, and any errors whatsoever were considered collusion. Okay. (laughs) Your face. Your face. So, like, are they just supposed to remember them, I guess? Or, like, is it, like, I'm not... Or are they supposed to be physically incapable of saying these? It's thought that they are supposed to be physically incapable of speaking scripture and the Lord's Prayer. Okay. All right. So then I'm assuming there weren't a whole lot of failures on this test. Were they able to read? I don't see. That's the thing. I don't know if at the. Did they have to memorize like a hundred different scriptures and then recite them? I think at this time it was probably memorization because I'm sure it was a family Bible that they had if they had one at all. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. Oh, how so many- is it like a? Oh, you got to, you know, quote Leviticus five twelve or off the top of your head probably. or something like that. Yeah, probably. Oh, well, that would be terrible. Yeah, and I'm not sure how many of the women were at the time were like versed in, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, many of them probably weren't taught to read. Yeah, I don't know. At this time, I have no idea. Um, the next one that we talked about earlier is the touch test. Victims of sorcery were believed to react strangely when touched by their tormentor. So when a possessed person went into one of their frenzies, the suspected witch would be instructed to lay a hand on them. If the person didn't react, all was good. But if she became calm, it was proof that the suspect had placed them under a spell. That's because the evil had seeped into the victim's soul and had returned from which they came. Like I said. So yeah. That one's pretty fascinating because it's like, are you faking? Yeah. (laughs) Are you faking? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like if this test actually did work at all, or if they had any positive, you know, tests, they would have to have just been faking the whole thing. Yeah, so one of the ones I didn't write down here and I didn't think I was going to talk about, but I want to go ahead, is um, the example of a witch's teat which is like a third eye essentially. And so like they would strip these women naked and look their body over for any kind of like blemish scar or anything like that. And it's just like, oh my gosh, that's like where the devil got in kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So like like a third nipple? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's one of the more strange ones. It's crazy. Anyways, so we get to witch cakes. Um, so the recipe is simple. You take a sample of the victim's urine, some rye meal, and a sprinkle of ashes, mix them all together, and bake. The finished dish was to be fed to a dog. Dogs were thought to be canine cohorts of witches, like we talked about earlier. If the pup fell under its spell and exhibited the same symptoms as the victim, say biting or barking at the moon, witchcraft was proven. Okay. So if you make them eat a little bit of the victim's pee and they get the same thing. And this is important. It's not likely that it was a, some some sort of bacterial sickness or something like the, that. It has to be witchcraft. This is important for later, and we'll get to it. It's So remember witch cake. That's right. important. And rye meal. That's also important, too. Okay, so familiars, like we said. We talked about that a little bit. So not only could anyone with a house pet be accused 
of using those animals as their familiars. But if a rat or even a fly wandered into their cell while they awaited trial, it could be seen as them using dark forces to summon the critter by their side to do their bidding. So, I mean, did that not happen with other prisoners who were imprisoned for literally anything else? I don't know. Like, I don't understand what these people... Mike Pence has a lot of explaining to do. This is this is true. <laughs> this is very true. So that maybe that was it. He was summoning a familiar to a help fly. him with his, with his with answers. His answers. <laughs> oh, hence you've got a lot of explaining to do. Oh, that's funny. Um, so yeah, those are some of the tests for witchcraft. But yeah, I feel like any, like an animal, like how secure are these jails? Like an right. animal could get in there. No problem. I feel like at this point they were just looking for any excuse to. That's weird. Yeah. You're a witch. Yeah. Even though it's a completely normal thing that happens to literally anyone else. Yeah. And it was an excuse. Like, I mean, with, uh, with Sarah, both of the Sarahs, especially Sarah Osborne, it's like, you're taking my brother's inherit, my brother's, my nephews, you're taking my nephew's inheritance. You're a witch, you know? Yeah. And then Sarah is like, I don't like you. You're a witch. <laughs> you're kind of rude. Um, I mean, I'd be rude if my first husband died and my second one was really rude to me, calling me the enemy of all good. I mean, to be fair, he only did that after she was really rude to him. So. <laughs> Maybe watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so ending the witch trials. Um, there actually were dissenters among the Puritans who were against the trials. Um, and dissenters were actually, of course, then accused, which created more mass hysteria. One of the turning points in ending um, public support and enthusiasm for the trials was the conviction and execution of one of the town's former minister, ministers, George Burroughs, who publicly recited the Lord's Prayer at the gallows, which was believed to be impossible for witches to do. Governor William Phil, uh, Phipps drew disgusted when his own wife was eventually mentioned by the afflicted girls. Um, determined to quell the madness, he suspended the special court and replaced it with a new superior court of uh, judicature. Judicature. Yeah. That. Never heard that term. Me either. Uh, Which allowed, or which uh, disallowed so-called spectral evidence. So finally. So finally they're saying, oh, you can't just say that you saw something that really wasn't even there to start with. Like, you know it wasn't there. Yeah. So this new court condemned three of 56 defendants. Oh, okay. So only three. Uh, Phipps pardoned them along with five others awaiting execution. Um, The official death count for the Salem Witch Trials is 20 people, which is an odd number. I figured there would be more. It's actually even. (sighs) (laughs) You're so funny. Um, 19 victims were hanged. That at, was odd. Yeah. At Proctor's Ledge near Gallows Hill, and one person was tortured to death. Four people also died in prison while awaiting trial. So hold up. Only 20 people? Mm hmm. I mean, that's not that a lot. That doesn't sound as bad as I had always thought. Yeah, it's not a lot. I mean, it's especially violent because I think. Let's see. 19 victims were this this yeah 19 victims were hanged and then four died in prison while they were awaiting trial. So like those are those are I guess it would be more 24. 
Yeah. I mean, granted, I guess it's because this is like only the people in Salem, but still, I, I still thought it was, was more, than, more that. than that. Um, uh, how long did they last? Um, the trials? Let me look. I have it here. Um, I think it was just under a year. 16, 20. It's 16, uh, it starts in 1692 and I think it ends like that December. Oh, okay. I have it somewhere in my notes. I can't remember. I can't find it. I'll have to look it up, but it doesn't, I mean, it's like a year. It's not that, I think it maybe ends in 63 or I mean, um, 93. So, I mean, it's about a year. Okay. I always thought it went on for a lot longer than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not that long. So, other victims were either found guilty but pardoned, um, found not guilty, or they were never indicted, um, or they evaded arrest or escaped from jail. So, like, a lot of people were accused. And so, some of them died in prison, some of them escaped, some of them were like, oh, no. Because there was a lot of people who were accused that were also like, nope, look at them. Yeah. And they got they got away. Yeah, for and that some reason. of them were hanged while spewing a death curse that they would come back after a virgin <laughs> lights the black flame candle yeah. on Halloween. True, true. The Sanderson sisters. Yeah. I found no historical evidence for the Sanderson sisters. I do apologize. That doesn't mean it didn't really happen, though. You can keep yeah. believing it. I mean, you want. <laughs> just because you didn't find evidence, that just means that they covered it up, which absolutely makes it true. Cool. I like your conspiracy theories. Yeah. They're great. Okay, so do you want to know why Salem Witch Trials happened? Other yes. than just, like, religious fanatics? Yes. Let's let's talk about that. Because oh. I have actually a little bit of information on that. There's, I've, I've seen some of the documentary that you're talking about, so I, I kind of know. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's, okay. Let's, re- let's gonna do be, the big reveal. There's going to be some buildup, okay? Right. All right. Let's do this. In 1976, Linda Caporeal, which I find that funny. Yeah. That's hilarious to me, actually. When I read that, I laughed out loud. I was like, ha, <laughs> Caporeal. Um, she offered the first evidence that the Salem witch trials followed an outbreak of rye ergot, also called ergotism and St. Anthony's fire. Victims of ergotism suffer everything from paranoia, hallucinations, um, twitches, spasms, cardiovascular trouble. It appears that victims can be bewitched. Mm-hmm. Ergot thrives in a cold winter followed by a wet spring. Right. What exactly is ergot, you may be wondering? Ergot is a fungus that forms hallucinogenic drugs in bread. That's right. They were stoned. By bread mold. By bread mold. Right, which takes us back to that the witch, the witch cakes with the rye. Also, as a so yes, made with the rye and the urine of the victim. So if the victim has ergotism, and it comes through their urine, and they use rye bread to make a witch cake. Yeah, infected meal. And, yeah, infected meal and an infected person, and they feed it to a dog. Yeah, of course, there's going to be. Yep. You know, our reaction there. So, yeah. Um, I watched a documentary on Prime called Secrets of the Dead, Bewitched. Um, it did several tests of ergot on human tissue. 
They tested a piece of human blood vessel and introduced ergot to it, and it immediately seized. Interesting. Uh, It also examined historical research on uh, where crops were planted, what crops were planted, and weather patterns in the area. And all of the conditions pointed to ergot being a likelihood. According to this documentary, there is now evidence that populations have substantially dropped following diets heavy in rye bread because it also um, weakens your immune system. The ergotism does. Mm -hmm. Um, during the huge depopulation in the early years of the Black Death, right after 1347, conditions were ideal for ergot. Many symptoms of ergot poisoning and the plague are similar. Interesting. They probably actually coexisted. The worst plague damage occurred where ergot suppressed the human immune system and made people vulnerable. So these people were stoned out of their mind on bread mold and they killed 20 people. Right. That's... Well, it wasn't because the, the, the accusers were stoned. Right, you're right. The right, victims right. were under Suffering. the influence. Yeah. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. Because so you watched the end of that documentary with me. Yeah, yeah, I saw part of it. Yeah, so so witches were caused... The witch trials were all the result of moldy bread. Yep, don't eat moldy bread, guys. Mm-mm-mm. But yeah, it's... So, this Linda Caporeal, she... <clears throat> She actually thought of it. She was studying LSD, and she looked at how people reacted to LSD, and she was like, huh, that looks similar. Like, because she's a historian, and she's like, that looks similar to some things I've read about Salem. And so she did some digging and some research, and she found ergotism and St. Anthony's Pyre and all this kind of stuff. Interesting. So what do we think? It's definitely something. Um, Could you imagine, like, being alive during that time? Yeah, this, this, like, mass hysteria, it always, it always blows my mind how people can, like, just jump to these kind of conclusions and just start, like, killing people. Yeah, so, right, like, that blew my mind, because I was just like, oh, like, it's religious, like, Hysteria. It's just, it's mass hysteria. That's, you know, that's kind of, they're just, and the, the, like, I always thought the girls were faking it. Yeah. Or had some sort of, like, emotional disturbance or mental health concern, physical health, like, undiagnosed. You know what I'm I mean? sure there had to be some people that were faking it based on the whole touch test thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, there were actual victims. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just. And I wonder, too... Like a reaction. Yeah, and, like, what makes it so sad is, like, these girls, like, some of them probably actually thought that these women had cursed them. Because, like, I mean, Sarah Good was a rude, probably a, like, crotchety old lady. Yeah. And so, you know, once... They probably thought that this... And, like, she wasn't that old because she was pregnant at the time. But, like, they probably thought, really did truly think that it was her who was doing it. Well, I mean, yeah, at the time, I'm sure they did think that. Um... It's just, it's so crazy. No. But very interesting for sure. So that's what I have on witches. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, bread mold. Yeah, so watch your bread or you might be put under a spell. <laughs> uh, so definitely pretty cool. That was witches and Salem witch trials. Um, I had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, I, I did mean, learn a lot with yeah. when I was researching this one. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I'm still excited to continue on our quest. What's next week? Um, our next episode is going to be on um, other spooky oh, creatures, like yeah. werewolves and vampires. That's true. Um, most specifically. Um, and then we'll f- finish off with Halloween. Oh, the Halloween um, episode's going to be so good. I've got so much information on it. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so that was our episode on witches. Um, again, we're drinking Jim's Organic Coffee um, Blend X, a.k.a. Witches Brew, in honor of our episode here. Um, continuing on through our spooky series. Um, having a lot of fun with this one. Yeah. This, one's, this one's really cool. Um, so thank you guys. educational. Absolutely. Um, so thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it half as much as we enjoyed talking about it. Um, you can always email us suggestions to talk about, email us coffees to try. Um, you can email us at date night coffee shop at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at date night at the coffee shop. Um, also, you know, like subscribe, share. We are on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and we're now on TuneIn. We're on TuneIn? Yes. I don't really know what that is. I just use Alexa with it. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Oh, you know okay. So it's like, like oh, a, a radio in. thing? Yeah. Like, okay, oh, cool. Tune in, subscribe, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So we're on those three things. Yeah. Um, again, still working on Spotify. But No, it requires that one, Pandora, and another one require it in MP3 format. I think it's like MP4 or something. Oh, yes. I don't, I don't know. Anyways, we got but some it, converting to do, which... Yep. Again, Can some just... technical difficulties, which we'll be working on sometime in the future. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so you can find us on all those platforms. Um, and on Podbean, our host. Yeah, Podbean. Um, big thanks to them. You can find Jim's Organic Coffee. Again, we found it on Amazon. Uh, you can also find it from their website, jimsorganiccoffee.com. Um, highly recommend. Go check it out, especially if you're a fan of dark roasts. And watch your rye bread, everybody. Absolutely. Um, So, again, thanks, guys, for joining us tonight, and hope you enjoy it, and come back for the next one. Stay spooky. Yeah. See ya.